Welcome to the Shrink Think Podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Nathan. And we're both licensed professional counselors in Oregon here to open up our lives and minds with you. We are your companion on the journey to grow your healthcare practice, yourself, and your relationships. To get you started, we've got a free email course on our website, shrinkthinkpodcast.com forward slash course with practical steps on overcoming your fear and anxiety. Thank you for joining us on the Shrink Think Podcast. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Shrink Think Podcast. We're following up on a three-part series on how to pick a therapist if you are somebody looking to get started in therapy or counseling. On the last episode, if you have not listened, go back and listen, because that's kind of like the setup for this episode. In the first part, we talked about how do you even know when you need therapy or when to consider reaching out to somebody? Where do you go to find somebody? What are you looking for? How to determine, like, is this person logistically going to work with me or in my area? Basically, kind of like the research behind the scenes of how do you find somebody? And so today we're going to talk about, okay, maybe you found somebody or you've got a couple of different options out there. And by the way, it's totally fine to reach out to several different therapists at the same time and see who gets back to you. I will tell you, I am always shocked that so many times therapists I hear from other people, well, from clients and even from some therapists that they don't call people back. uh, Clients are like, yeah, I reached out to like four or five different people and no one's called me back. I'm like, what? Like even outside the pandemic, I get it in inside of this pandemic because everyone's crazy busy right now with a ton of calls. We're just flooded. But to like not even return a call at all is just amazing to me. So that kind of thing does happen. So anyway, this episode today is going to be all about you found somebody or a few different people and you need to reach out. What do you even say? How do you go about that? But we're really going to come at this from the standpoint of we want to give you some insight to who we are as therapists and what we're dealing with and what we do on our end so that when you are reaching out, here's what you're reaching out into. Not to, to get too big and conceptual here, but it does matter. Like when people first, you know, decide to be a therapist, there's a certain type of person that does that. They want to help. And yes, it is absolutely true that we as therapists have our own stuff to work out. And you kind of realize that in grad school, like, oh, that's maybe worse than I thought. And that's actually one of the entire points of grad school. And when you're beginning out as a therapist, you don't really, you you can't really answer the question, what do you specialize in? Like, because you don't know enough about the subject matter to be able to do that. Even though you've learned all these things in school, you've probably been, as a person, kind of drawn to some things. And there's probably some things that you were like, you're like, nope, I am not going to do that. Like, I'm never doing that. And so this person's like growing over time, right? And then they're, they're going to be the person that you call. So we, Aaron and I were thinking, you know, it'd be good for you as a consumer or even you as a therapist to kind of know, hey, how does this, after I've kind of reached out, how do I make sure that I kind of get who I need? And uh, it's important to know the other side of that coin, which is kind of what we're talking about right now, um, as far as who's out there. And by the way, as a therapist, the complication, if you're looking for another therapist, is that who knows you? Like, right. Or who do you not want to know you? Like, <laughs> I don't want these people knowing that I'm looking for therapy because, you know, I 
it's the whole image thing, you know, and or the reputation thing. You, um, it's really uncomfortable to connect with somebody that you know or is in your network because you want to continue referring to those people and you want those people to refer to you. So you kind of want to go outside your network. And so sometimes, like we said in the last episode, you need to connect with somebody in a different city. Yeah. So you get one of the some of the just practical processes to become a therapist is you you get educated. Part of your actual education before you even graduate is you go through what's called an internship program. And for one year, you have to work with people. Now, what goes on in that, not getting too deep with it, but is you're supervised by the university. So you meet in a group and you have case consultation that happens inside that group with other um, interns that are going over that and uh, a PhD level professor making sure that those interns are going in in the correct and healthy direction. And then on site, wherever the intern's actually working, whatever clinic that they've gotten allowed to do their internship on, they're also supervised by somebody there that's clinic specific and also making sure that these folks are going in a healthy direction. So there's just a lot of oversight that's going on in that. And then go ahead. And and a lot of feedback too, Uh, oversight and a lot of, I mean, that whole process is difficult for the interns because like you're doing this thing that you don't really you don't really know what you're doing in a way, or I should say, you know what you're doing, but you don't know that you know. And it's the process of discovering, oh, I do know what I'm doing here. I I do have a lot of skills and the education and the training are there. I just am kind of growing into that of sorts and getting confident in it. So there's a lot of feedback that's happening as they're going through the process, which is really helpful and really informative to know because like every little thing that they're doing is being monitored and then I don't want to say corrected, like it's wrong, but it's you're getting a lot of feedback to make sure that they're going in the right direction. That oversight is huge because that means it's not just like throw them into the water and go. They're getting a lot of development for an entire year, every single week, if not like probably every single day. Right. And they are uh, more open to seeing anyone. But the truth is, I, I, Aaron and I are both clinical supervisors in the state of Oregon. Um, I am not going to let my interns take on some case that's super complicated. I'm just be I'm, I work kind of as a, as a gatekeeper, and I just go, nope, you're in, this person's not doing that. Um, and and just you might be curious about that something that's multifaceted, right? So there's a medical problem that's going on, there's a psychological problem that's going on, and they have a home life problem that's going on. You have all that going on, and I'm going to go, nope, we're just going to. If you could pick one of those, then maybe, but that's not going to happen in a lot of those cases. So point is that these interns are, are okay to talk with. You can be confident that, that you will go in a healthy direction. Yeah, I think the one caveat I would say to that is if you get an intern who maybe uh, this is a second career or they've worked in the field or in a similar kind of a field for a number of years and they've got some experience and then they're doing this schooling, they probably have more life experience, you could say. They've got more um, actual field experience. So they know a little bit more of what they're talking about or they, they have narrowed down what they might be good at and what they don't want to work with. So in those cases, I would say um, when I have supervisees, interns, who are in that position, they can take on some of that more complicated stuff. Maybe not quite to the degree that I can, but some more complicated stuff. And they're great to work with because they know themselves 
um, as a clinician much better than these, um, you know, fresh out of grad school interns do. And that's not to disparage them because they're very skilled and very competent. I think we were at a conference one time and it was said that if in any given time, if you're at a room, statistically, if there's 100 people and there is a therapist in the room, it was something like you're like the only therapist in the room. Like it's a small like you've got a ton of training. And just according to the population, you're probably the only mental health professional in the room. So, you know, just by virtue of having that training and education and even then like a year of internship, you are far more advanced than the average person. Yes. And as they continue down their journey, they graduate. Right. And then the next thing that happens is they have to work towards licensure. So typically here in the state of Oregon, this is where stuff differs state by state by state. But we need 2,400 hours to become a licensed professional counselor. That's 2,400 hours where another clinical supervisor like Aaron or I are basically following up with you every other week with every, every case that's going on and making sure that the cases are going in a healthy direction. But we're also trying to develop who this counselor is. We're not trying to make, I'm not trying to make a little Nathan or something, you know, like, or whatever. I'm trying to... Those are his children. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm trying to digress. (laughs) Per huge. I'm trying to uh, help this person become who, who they naturally kind of are geared toward. I call it your best clinical self or your best, your therapist identity. Right, and so... Now you can take, you're getting hours of internship when you're in, you're in your master's program, right? And you are allowed in the state of Oregon to take 400 of those and apply, apply up to 400 towards the licensure that you're going for the next two to three years. So I don't want to get too much in the specifics, but just to say that overall now, now you've got your master's degree in different states, they call that a different thing. In Oregon, it's um, a licensed professional associate. And so... They're developing. And then after that, you, you have to take an, a national exam. And then the national exam plus the experience, they will mint you as a licensed professional counselor. And at that point, you don't, quote unquote, need supervision. Um, but typically what counselors will do is they will try to find peer groups where they can bounce stuff off because you find really quick that you can get super isolated in this in this as a business. And the value of that supervision you is not lost on you. Once you lose it, and you're like, man, I really actually like and need that oversight. That's why Nathan and I talk so much about the cases we have going on or we'll share with one another between sessions, after sessions, at the end of the week about what's going on. Because just to get some some feedback to make sure we're on the right track or we're not missing something is incredibly helpful. And we've been a part of a consultation group together, I think for the last 10 years. So that's the kind of thing that just kind of keeps us um, regular, keeps us, you know, kind of on this straight and narrow in terms of um, feeling confident and making sure we're not missing something, but also not getting into the headspace of like, oh, I know everything, but we just always want to stay lifelong learners. Um, and that's pretty typical, I think, for therapists. We always want to make sure that we're, we're not missing something, that we're aware of what's going on. And so we need each other for that. And that's typical. Right. And so that kind of leads us into like how we as therapists kind of develop, you know, in those interactions. And then on top of that, the interactions that we have with clients with different types of presenting problems, you start to realize what you happen to be kind of really good at. Like 
oh, I kind of see this a while. Because even what will happen is uh, some colleague you'll be talking to will say something like, what, what, wait, wait, how did you know that? How did you see that? And then you kind of realize like, wait, you didn't see that? Like, like, oh, I guess we're just, di we're different and stuff pops for us um, differently. And then, and it kind of builds confidence of like, oh, I can do that. Or the other thing that happens is um, you mentioned something to a colleague and they go, yeah, I would do the same thing. And then you're like, okay, it's building confidence, right? And you also know that you are in this community of therapists and you're starting to get to know what it is that you can do and what it is that honestly is just not a good fit for you because it's like, as the word drudgery comes to mind, like just exhausting to try to like trudge through the molasses of that issue. Um, for me, that's eating disorders, to be honest. Yeah, and, and I guess to put that in a little bit of context, it doesn't mean that we don't like you or there's something you know bad about you. It really is just a matter of fit. There are, I, I remember going to a networking event years ago and we were introducing ourselves into this group of therapists and this one woman says, you know, we're all talking about what our specialties are and, um, you know, somebody says, oh, I do anxiety or I do depression or I do, you know, family stuff. And this one woman says, um, all of the cases that you dread taking on because they're so complicated or the people are so difficult to work with or their issues are so complicated um, because they're like mental health and medical kind of stuff or they're just really combative or, you know, some, like some issues are just um, developed people that are really difficult to work with because that's the nature of the issue and that's difficult for a lot of therapists. She was like, I love that stuff. It, these are the kinds of cases that you don't want to refer to your colleagues because you're like, I'm really sorry to give you this. But she's like, send them to me. I work really well with those people. I really enjoy it because I know how I know how to do it well. And so all we're saying is that there are people that have different specialties that they're good at based on their personality. It doesn't mean that you've got an issue or a type of personality that's bad or wrong. It just means that you might need a certain kind of a person that works really well with you. One of the things, too, to talk about specialties just briefly, a lawyer told us one time in a group, like a, he goes, you know what, you got to be careful saying you specialize because what you're actually saying is you are an expert of experts. Um, and so some, just to you therapists out there that are saying you specialize in something, you need to be careful like what you're actually saying. Maybe switching that to I like to work with. I feel like I work really effectively with this population. There are things like I... I will say at this point, because I feel confident in it, that I specialize in trauma. But that's probably the only thing that I would say. I wouldn't say other things that I like to work with, anxiety and that kind of thing. Um, so with that being said, it's like if you are coming in to see us and that kind of thing, what, what we want to help share with you also, besides the fact that this is what's going on for us, is like, what are you going to say to us? Or how are you going to be that we're, you know, now you've, we've described this therapist here on our side. It's just going to be like, nope, not working with you. It's not going to happen. I yes, that's awesome. I want to start with like what not to do. Um, <laughs> it's a little bit. It's comical to me. I think at a certain point because it's like, of all the things that you could say and do, like why would, I just don't understand this. Um, so the first thing to not do is to send a very a generic message, whether it's a text, an email, or leaving a voicemail. That really says nothing. Some people just say, hi, I would like to um, inquire about counseling. Give me a call back. And I'm like, 
okay, I don't know your name. So I'm like, hello, unnamed person. <laughs> Literally, people have sent me text messages. I'm like, hi, I didn't, I don't know your name, but thanks for the text. Um, or also, like, I'm inquiring about counseling. Okay, like, what about counseling? Like, what, like, there's, like, literally nothing for me to go off of with that. Um, or, like, when is a good time to call? Or, um, so those kinds of things where somebody just says, hi, like, or, or another one would be, hi, I want to schedule an appointment. And I'm like, okay, for what? Like, is it for therapy? I do consulting. I do supervision. Um, so be clear on what that is. Or I want to schedule an appointment. Like, it doesn't just work that way. We're not just, you know, open. And you can just, like a doctor, say, um, I need to schedule an appointment. Great. You know, or the dentist. It's like we need to have a little bit of screening done before we work with you to make sure that this is a good fit. And also, we want you as a consumer, as a potential client, to know you also want to do that kind of screening. Maybe you've done that in the research, like from our uh, part one episode, which is great, but we don't know that. So that's why it's helpful for you to give us a little bit more information. Right. I think in inside of that, too, is that because especially right now, uh, we're so busy. It, it's, so let me back up one, sec, one second. Before, the super busy providers have been doing it like as long as Aaron and I, like, you know, just a long time. We're, we've got a huge network of referral base. There's all kinds of people. I've, I don't know how many. I've, I've actually think I've seen thousands of people at this point. So there's all those people. Hopefully most of them are okay with me. <laughs> They're saying, hey, you should call this guy. <laughs> but um, but it, now in the pandemic, there's such a supply-demand issue that if you are a therapist, they are, they are giving therapists at some agencies sign-on bonuses just to show up. Um, it is insane out there. And so the more able you are to give us a little idea of what it is, like like you're saying the name thing, I just had that happen. And the, here's the problem with that, by the way, as a therapist. We have to be aware that as counselors, even when we call you, if it comes up on your like readout or whatever, or like a, like life encounter counseling shows up and you have somebody in your family that you don't want to know that you're going to counseling or in some situations, some of you might be in dangerous situations where there's domestic violence involved. And now this person, this controlling person that you're coupled with, knows what's going on and then they want to try to figure things out we 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 do think like that as therapists up front it's actually very practical for us to know like can we even call you back like should we text you is this we're gonna we're gonna just have to assume though that if you contacted us this way then we will reply this way but it can be a little nerve-wracking and if we don't know anything about you coupled with everything that's going on right so meaning how busy we are and you and you could be f one of five people that's called that day today. Yeah, that one, just that one day. Then it's like, uh, I don't you're not uh, no offense, but you're just not a priority. Like I don't I, these other folks have been more detailed. I know already what to say and it's easier to get back to them. Yeah. So on that note, I would say um, giving us a brief synopsis of what's going on. And even on my voicemail, I say something like give me a uh, leave me a brief message uh, or a message about, um, what is it, like a, a brief explanation of what's going on and what you're looking for from therapy. So what that might sound like is, um, do you know the nature of your issues? Like, are you talking about you're having anxiety, you're having anger problems, you're having uh, communication issues, you're depressed? Okay, say that. And then give us a little bit of information about what that has looked like 
maybe over the the recent history, like um, I've been anxious for the last couple of years and I'm not able to go to work. I'm missing, you know, I'm taking days off or I've got anger problems. I, um, you know, I got into multiple physical fights um, or I have anger problems and I yell and I don't want to be angry anymore. So a little bit of that background about like, give us a picture of what's been going on, maybe a little bit of, of what's happening, how long it's been going on, and then even what you would like to do about it. So if it's like, I would like to understand what's going on, or I would like to get some coping skills for this, or I'd like to learn some new communication skills so I can resolve this, that kind of information, even just in a couple of sentences, or even if you do need to go into a little bit more lengthy detail, that's helpful as well, because then at least it's there and we can read it. I would say, though, don't go into too much detail, because if we get an email or a phone call that's like three, four minutes long, or that's like three or four paragraphs long in an email, uh, that's a little bit too much information for us to take in all at once. Yeah, what ends up happening, um, I was just going to say that, we really, really, I tell people, like, I can get it out of two or three sentences, honestly. Um, and honestly, even if you say something like, to be, to, I don't even know what's going on, I'm having this, this, and this problem, I don't even know what to tell you, that's still helpful, because we'll be like, okay, so that's where we're at, we know where you're at. But what's off-putting to me is, like, somebody writes, like, a, seriously, a four or five paragraph email I am sometimes checking in between sessions. I don't have the time to read and digest it. And so what will happen is I'll look at it later. Now, sometimes what I do is, you know how you click on your email and then it goes dark or it goes away? Yeah, then I don't get back to it because I think I already read it. Because again, we're so freaking busy. It's like we're just trying to like play whack-a-mole half the time. Um, one more thing as far as what's off-putting, don't be demanding. Don't like... We're, we are not tools. We are human beings. Like this whole thing where like, yeah, I need counseling and I need you to fix this. Like, okay, I don't, I'm not, I can already tell this is not going to work. I'm not going to, you know, <laughs> some of those I'm tempted not even to get back to. But, and, and one last thing, as you give us the information and we've, maybe we figure out that you're not a good fit, like meaning it's just not, not about you. It's just, well, I don't really work with that. It's helpful for us to know that because then we can tell you a good referral. We may know somebody who does that stuff, and then we can say, hey, this person does that, so you should talk to them. Yeah, one last thing before we close up the episode, I would say is in addition to like what's going on, um, you know, we mentioned all this um, like scheduling, finance, availability, logistical stuff in the last episode, part one. Um, put some of that into your email or into your, your um, voice message, your text. Let us know when you're available, if you've got insurance or if you're paying out of pocket, just so that we have an idea of, of like, is this even going to work from that end? Like if you, like some people will put in that I only have this insurance um, or this availability. And I know right off the bat, it's not going to work because I don't take that insurance or you are looking for a time you're available when I'm not. And so that's an easy referral. Um, we can save ourselves a lot of time not going down a, a trail that is going to be a dead end. So hopefully all of this is helpful to you and kind of having a sense of um, who we are and where we're coming from so that you know what you're entering into and what's going to be helpful for you to say and to do to get what you need. In the next episode, the last episode of this series, part three, we're going to talk about 
actually connecting with your therapist and starting therapy and what to expect in the first session and then sessions after that. Hey, thanks for listening. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to our show. Don't forget to head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts to leave us a review and subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also visit our website at www.shrinkthinkpodcast.com forward slash course and sign up for our free email course, Nine Ways to Overcome Fear and Self-Doubt. And you'll get nine weeks worth of customized, practical strategies you can use to get past the fear that's holding you back in your life. Thanks again for listening.